on episode 276 of Arsenal Gothenburg podcast. Um, we we speak English because we have an English-speaking guest, me and Oscar, and by me, I mean myself, Philip Tolf. Uh, we have Parson in my pants from Arsenal Vision podcast with us, and we talk about music, as always. <laughs> and uh, when you talk about music, you often... Um, um, what do you say? You often move on sp- speaking about uh, Ben Stiller movies. No, you don't. But this time we did. So uh, after that, we speak about Ben Stiller movies. Which Ben Stiller movie is the best one? Listen and you will find out. Uh, then we speak about Paul and his, uh, why he became an Arsenal supporter and his favorite players throughout the years. And um, then we move on and speak about the game, Arsenal 2, Fulham 1. And I think we speak about everything. And by everything, I mean everything. Uh, and by the end, we speak about the upcoming Aston Villa game. Um, and you get a short, what do you say, a short um, guest from the guest by Paul's dog, who does not agree with Paul, what Paul are saying uh, at the time. Um, listen to it, it's actually quite funny. Uh, and then we talk about transfers, what do we think is going to happen, and so on. I'm going to keep this uh, intro a bit short today, because I'm tired of speaking English. Uh, but before I let you listen to the regular pod, I'm just going to say, if you want to hear more or know more about Arsenal Gothenburg, you uh, go online to arsenalgoteborg.se and read more about us and how you become a member if you want to. Otherwise, you can visit on us on social media, which is at arsenalgbg on Twitter and Instagram, at arsenalgbg. And on Facebook, you uh, just search for Arsenal Göteborg uh, Forum, <laughs> which sounds better in Swedish uh, because it's Swedish. Um, which is a Facebook group, yep. And if you want to join our like side, I don't know if that's if you say that, but uh, there you go. Uh, it's just Arsenal Göteborg, which is Swedish for Arsenal Gothenburg, uh, and there you go. So that's en- enough from me. So I'm gonna leave it to me, Oscar and Parson in my pants. Here we go. <laughs> Hello, 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 and welcome to Arsenal Gothenburg Bod- Podcast, a podcast for Arsenal fans by Arsenal fans to Arsenal fans. My name is Philip Tolf, and today in English, and I'm going to tell you why in a couple of minutes' time, uh, but first, let me introduce my friend and <laughs> colleague, co-worker, Oscar. Hello, Oscar. How are you this evening? Hello, Philip. I'm uh, good. It's good to be back. It's uh, good winning games and uh, enjoying that. I have to say, it, this feels so weird speaking to English to each other, right? It, it feels like uh, we're, we're playing uh, a role in the theater. We're playing charades. It, it feels weird, but um, it, it's for a good reason. So we just have to get uh, get used to it, right? 
Yeah, I'm quite comfortable speaking in English now, to be honest. Yeah, me too, but just speaking to you in English. Uh, yeah, yes, I yeah. Get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, the reason why we speak English and uh, playing theater is because our guest is English or... or Wait a second, we, we'll come to that later. He speaks English. Uh, he's Paul Cassidy from Arsenal Vision podcast, mo most known as Posnan in my pants. Hello, Pos. Woohoo! Yes, there you go! Yes! I was hoping for that one. Thank you very much. How are you, Pos? I'm great. I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, I can hear I'm, that. I'm looking forward to being huge in Sweden. <laughs> well, not to disappoint you anyways, but I think you already are kind of huge in Sweden. But you can get huge-er, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be the guy from my podcast who is just dominating Sweden, the airwaves. So, yeah, excited to be here. And Sweden are, I think Sweden are ready for you. But um, before we moving on, uh, I said a guy. We are sp speaking English because we have an English guest, and I kind of corrected myself, and I, I was like, mm -hmm. "No, it's Irish. No, America. Uh, uh, um, where I'm are Irish. you from?" Is my is your is my first question to you. Yeah, Dublin, Ireland. Uh, lived there for my first 24 years ago, then lived in England for about six years and then moved to the United States, mostly Chicago area, for the next 20, ooh, I don't know, 27, 28 years. So you live in Chicago I'm old. right now? Yeah. My favorite singer I'm ever is from Chicago. Can I guess who? No. Uh, a singer from Pearl Jam, Eddie Vedder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's from Eddie. Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know him? No. I do not know Eddie. All oh, right, no. all right. It's, it's like... I when mean, I know... Sorry. <laughs> well, I know Pearl Jam. Yeah. And I know Eddie Vedder, but I've never met him, if that's what you meant. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Because that's the thing, being Swede and, you know, going ab abroad and you meet... And, a guy meet you and say, oh, you're from Sweden. I have a ma another mate from Sweden. Do you know him? Well, <laughs> it's basically 10 million people in Sweden, so the chances are pretty, pretty small. I know him, but uh, what's his name? Um, so I kind of do the same thing to you now, uh, right now. But anyhow, uh, how are you, Paul? Uh, doing great. How can any Arsenal supporter worth his salt not be doing great at the moment? If you're not doing great now, you will never be doing great. And that's the thing, right? You gotta, you know, yeah. absorb it while you can, right? Yep. 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 Perfect. Um, I thought it was. F uh, do you remember? Have you seen the All or Nothing? Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, series. Uh, one of my favorite moments. Lacazette is sitting there in the middle of the group in the dressing room, and Arteta's sketching on the draw on the board, and he's sketching something like journey destination, and he turns around to everybody and he says. What's the most important part, the journey or the destination? And then he turns to Lack and he says, Lacka, what's the most... Now, we've already got rid of Aubameyang at this point and made Lacazette the new captain. And he asks Lacazette and Lacka says, uh, journey. No, no, sorry, he says... No, he says... Destination. I'm thinking journey. He says destination. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh my God, he's going to throw out our new captain. It turns out it was neither of those... It was the company you keep along the way. But, yeah, but about that scene, um, didn't you feel like Arteta made that on purpose? Just to make him yes. feel dumb? Like, you're stupid, like I yeah, said, and I'm going to prove that to you. Either way, your answer, it's going to be wrong. Yeah, though I 
think there was two kinds of wrong. There was the right wrong, which was the journey, and there was the wrong <laughs> wrong, with, which was the destination. And ironically, Lacazette was probably under pressure because he hadn't been like uh, putting the ball in the back of the net, the destination. So he's like, it's all about the destination. And even that was wrong. Uh, hard time, like I said. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yes, he didn't. <laughs> and, and, he did, he didn't. and he didn't. <laughs> uh, I actually much... have a lot more, a lot more time for Lacazette uh, than many. I think he like we keep talking about how we should have replaced him with somebody else during the season, played somebody else, and it's like, but we kept winning. Mm. So anyway. Yeah, I, well. I know your fr- your friend and uh, Tim Stillman. Uh, it's it's uh, yeah. what do you say? In every episode on your podcast, Arsenal Vision podcast, he make at least one joke about Lacazette and uh, uh, kebab. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> the meat sweats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the meat sweats, right? That's kind of his uh, thing. But um, enough about Tim now. It says hi, hello to Tim from us, by the way. Uh, next time you talk to him, right? Will do. Yeah. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, moving on. Uh, every Monday. We usually do Metal Monday on this podcast because <laughs> Oscar and Tobias, which is not with us today, loves heavy metal. But I thought today, since we have a guest with us, we just do Music Monday. Oscar, I didn't run this past with you, but are you all right with this? Yes. Uh, Great. Yes. yes. And thank you very much, Paul. Uh, it's pretty, pretty easy. We each do a song uh, that we recommend for each other and the listeners. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with you first, Oscar. Uh, which song do you recommend this weekend? Ooh, it seems like oh, you caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. It seems like I but, should. Uh, come but you up know, we, with something. you know, we do this every Monday, right? But with but with Metal Monday, so you pretty much have it all week to prepare yourself. But I'm glad that I caught you off guard, caught you off guard for once. Yeah, it's the thing though when you. When it's metal, it's metal. And now I'm, when you said it was music, it's like... You can go metal. come up with something else. Yeah. You can go metal if you want to. You're not... You not have to, but you can if you want to. Um, since Tobias isn't here, I'm going with... Uh, with something that Tobias likes in, uh, in loving... Uh, uh, in a loving way to him. So this goes out to Tobias, so I'm going to recommend The Air That I Breathe With All That Remains. <laughs> That's a classic Tobias song. I, pretty, I, I think that that song pretty much sums up uh, Tobias, basically. So a good one, good one. Uh, Paul, can I go next and save you yes, for the list? Thank you very much. Um, the thing is, I went to... F- and this is... Sorry... Paul, that we talk Swedish stuff uh, now, but this is basically a Swedish podcast when you are not on it, so um, I'm going to talk about Swedish music just for a short while. We'll come to you in a bit. Um, I've been to three uh, Håkan Hellström concerts in one week, uh, so I feel like I'm obligated to recommend a Håkan Hellström song, and I'm going to go with uh, Din Tid Kommer, which (laughs) translates to Your Time Is Coming, um i always think of my three uh not one my two nieces and my niece uh they're small kids so i think that when they grow up their time will come so it's pretty emotional for me uh so din tid kommer with håkan hellström uh so paul which song do you recommend and why is it tequila 
Uh, yeah, well, I think people have that one already. Oh. I am going to recommend uh, the Sunday Service Choir. That's how the good Lord works. Um, and it's absolutely right. This is Kanye West's uh, gospel choir he put together. Mm-hmm. And they have this this song, this track, That's How the Good Lord Works. And it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I ran into it because uh, Edu, Edu Gaspar, mm-hmm. uh, I think he was doing a little barbecuing on a well, Sunday. Of, of and, course he did. Yep. And uh, he shared a little Instagram snip of a video with some rock and music gospel music and it only lasted about 10 15 seconds i'm like what the hell is that so i went and looked it up and it turned out it was uh kanye west gospel choir cool. it's fantastic i've released a couple of uh arsenal football videos it just fits in with the whole gabriel jesus thing that's happening um and i'm leaning heavily i don't think manchester city did enough with the fact that gabriel jesus's last name is jesus i mean um, they really didn't talk about it that much. They, you know, the supporters, the fans, they had too many other people to think about and, and get excited about. And they ha- we have been gifted Gabriel Jesus, Hallelujah. whose last name is Jesus, yeah. to save us. And we are going to milk that in a way Manchester City never even dreamed as supporters. We're just going to lean into it. All the Gabriel Jesus jokes, like my favorite of my own Gabriel Jesus jokes so far. Oh, of your it's, own uh, jokes? Yeah. Um, and, that's, well, yes. and, that's, and that's why you know how it's good. <laughs> a good joke when you come up with yourself. This is my favorite joke by myself. Well, go on, please. If you're going to understand my complicated psychology, <laughs> um, nobody enjoys my jokes more than I do. Sometimes I'm the only, sometimes maybe half the time I'm the only person enjoying my jokes. But anyway, here's my Gabriel Jesus jokes. Because it was all that talk about how he underperforms XG. I don't yeah. know if you remember that before yeah, yeah, we yeah. signed him. And so here was my joke. How can you say he underperforms XG? He fed 10,000 with five loaves and seven fishes. Yeah, yeah. might have been seven loaves and five fishes. I don't uh, know. Anyway, who cares? Yeah, he massively overperformed his XG. So, yeah, that's my mu- music tip. Sunday Service Choir. That's how the good Lord works. I am sending you a link to it on YouTube in the chat as we speak. Maybe you can share it with your whoever you release the podcast at the end and on Twitter and stuff. It's good. Uh, I'll do that 100%. Uh, send a link with uh, show notes and everything. Um, I, get it. I have two comments on that. First, uh, Did you say that Edu Gaspar is now releasing not just pictures of him barbecuing, but videos? It was a video of the gospel choir, yeah. Uh, he's taking it to the next level, yeah? Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's leveled up. He's leveled up. And my second uh, comment is, of course, Man City didn't milk the Jesus thing, because Man City is the most boring club in the whole wide world. And this just underlines it, yeah? Yeah. And in fact, you can milk anything with nipples. <laughs> It's a movie reference. I'm not being rude. No, no, no. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Just a movie reference. No, nothing. Nothing. Ben Stiller. Special. Meet the Fockers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good movie, by the way. Which is the best Ben Stiller movie you think? By the way, this is uh, an odd turn. We never talk about Ben Stiller in this podcast, but why not? <laughs> maybe there's something about Mary. Because uh, that was a, a genre, yeah. a genre breaker. Yeah, 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 it, it sure was. It, it was a new genre that many uh, imitated afterwards. 
I'm a, I'm a huge fan of dodgeball, so I, I have to say dodgeball. I think it's I think it's freaking funny. Yeah. yeah. All right, all right, all right. Um, enough about that. Moving on, and we're gonna move on talking about you, Paul, even more. Um, and yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Jesus plays for Arsenal. Now we're gonna talk about you, not Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I can do this all night, man. I can do this all night. Please um, don't. No, oh, no, I won't. I won't. I won't. Um, I save the Jesus jokes for you and Tim. Um, so we got to get to know you as an Arsenal fan, uh, me and Oscar and uh, our listeners. Um, we have a couple of questions for you, which I will hope sum up you as an Arsenal fan. Um, sounds good. Sounds yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, Oscar, can I start? Sure. Great. We're going to start with just a basic, basic question so we just get the facts right. Uh, Mm -hmm. What's your name? Oh, Paul Cassidy. Yes. It would be pretty embarrassing if I call you the wrong name uh, until like 15 minutes into the pod, but uh, I got that right, so (laughs) check. You can call me Paz, Paul, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Call me whatever. Um, Okay, great. Uh, Oscar. Yeah, um, so I'm going to ask you, what got you into uh, Arsenal? Is it like many Irish people? Was there a Irish uh, Irish player, maybe, that got you into Arsenal? Uh, not originally, but it, it that consolidated it towards the end. So I started watching. <clears throat> I, when I was seven, Arsenal won the FA Cup, 1971. Woo-hoo. Jesus Christ. You know? Um, and... Uh, like in, I didn't know this was a thing, but in my school, everybody was like, "Oh, what team do you support?" And I'm like, I had never really thought about it, but I just watched the FA Cup final, which was super exciting, and I was very excited about these Arsenal lads. And I'm like, Arsenal. So w- once you pick a team, you can. Well, I guess a few people were sliding around picking different teams, but they were picking United. Leeds was big at the time. A few for Chelsea. Nobody picks Spurs. That's ridiculous. Um. Actually, they, yeah, they were probably okay around that time, but they weren't great. Um, so I picked United, or sorry, I picked, Jesus Christ. I Whoa, picked Arsenal. Paul, what did you yeah. just say? Yeah, I, was, I was just fooling with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we are awake, we are awake. <laughs> we can hear you. You're on the case. So, yeah, that was 71. They won it again in 79, and by 79, there's a bunch of Irish players in the team. Liam Brady mm. was... Uh, he was kind of the Cesc Fabregas of that era. Like he was just everything ticked through him. He was the number seven. Uh, he he was a left footer. Uh, he was from Dublin, um, and he was just he was sex, drugs, and rock and roll on a football pitch. He was great, and um, yeah. So that that really f- uh, fomented and fermented my uh, passion for the team. My fever. Fomented and fermented my fever for the team. Um, and yeah, that's what really kind of bedded it in. The thing about living in Ireland, though, and probably England at the time, is they didn't really show a lot. They didn't show the league. You'd saw, you saw, if your team was in the FA Cup, you were in luck. In the 80s, if your team was in Europe, you were in luck. So it was actually pretty hard to follow a team on a week-to-week basis. You just, the FA Cup had come around and you'd be like, oh, shit, Arsenal's in it. We're in the semis. We're in the final. Um, so I would like to be honest. As a kid, I wasn't a super active football fan because you just couldn't watch it. Um, there was match of the day, still <laughs> uh, early days prototype of match of the day on a Saturday night. But 
Like it was mostly teams I didn't care about. And yeah, so it took, took when I was very young, I was into Arsenal. Then I was interested in girls and hanging out with my buddies. And then I came back to the football in more fully and became uh, much more invested in the club when I was a little older again. So I maybe have a little unusual pattern. It wasn't really my teens that I was super excited about Arsenal because you just couldn't watch them. Uh, I loved football, World Cup, European Cup, uh, European club games, loved all that. But you'd rarely see, well, you'd rarely see your team. And uh, Arsenal wasn't huge in Europe at the time. <clears throat> uh, you mentioned uh, Liam Brady earlier. So uh, that got mm. me wondering, is he your favorite player throughout the years? Or which one, which player is it throughout the years? And which is your favorite players in the current squad? Yeah, so of the early days, it's not even close. It's Liam Brady. Mm. Um, of later days, you know, Cesc Fabregas. Um, I mean, obviously, there's Thierry Henry and Bergkamp, but they're almost too iconic for me. Yeah. And yeah. again, I was living in the US, so you weren't seeing it week in, week out, game in, game out. Um, and so I didn't have the same... I mean, obviously, they're like... My favorite player in one sense as a player for the club would be Thierry Henry. Mm. Uh, but the one I have the connection to, uh, like a, a personal favorite, would be uh, Cesc. I know uh, he left in unfortunate terms, but I'm very good at forgiving. I'm very good at par compartmentalizing footballers. I understand it's a, it's a short career, a short life in football mm -hmm. there's ups and downs there's lots of pressures how they view the fans and how we view them is not the same thing and i don't expect it to be um liam brady left sesc fabregas left um but like i'm a big enough man to get my head around it yeah. sesc and liam brady would be my two standout players and yeah. uh, in the current squad then um yeah Yeah. Everyone. Um <clears throat> well, it is a problem. Yeah. Uh like Odegaard. Sure. Uh Jesus, I think. Like Jesus is the most transformational player we have signed in a decade and a half. Not because he's the best player, he might be. Uh but in terms of how he's transforming the team and those around him and everything that's going on. Absolutely huge. Bigger than Alexis Sanchez for me. Now, time would, will tell. Would you say, yeah. sorry to cut across you, but would you say that the Jesus signing uh, is basically like the Dennis Bergkamp signing? Because I wasn't a fan back then. I started to support Arsenal yeah. in 98. So I can't speak for my own experience. But when you heard people talk about it, like like uh, your friend, like Tim uh, always talks yeah. about it. But uh, like Bergkamp, when he signed for overnight, it was Uh, Arsenal to the Arsenal, if you know what I mean. It's basically the same with Jesus, I, I, I think. Like he, yeah. like you said, it comes. I think there's a real parallel there. Yeah, uh, it, it's you. a little different in in yeah, a uh, little different in that it was Bergkamp first and the others followed. Mm, and true. in many ways, we have some of the younger pieces. He's still first in a sense because he's at his peak years and they aren't yet. So from a peak standpoint, they are still arriving, but. You know, the pieces that make us transformation transformational is plugging in a Jesus and Zinchenko. Mm -hmm. um, 
that those are connectors that bring everybody into it or that raise a level or set a standard or set an expectation. Um, and I think he's phenomenal. So yeah. in answer to your uh, initial question, like I've got like, like you can't not love Saka. Uh, he's just fantastic mm -hmm. and a, an Arsenal guy. And uh, I wouldn't say I was the first onto him, but I was I was early on to Saka being the talent. I, I thought what would hold him up was the fact, in, in terms of being a first team factor and a first team regular, was just he's he was so slight, so small in build. But mm. he, it turns out he, his his strength, his low center of gravity, his balance. I mean, he's flipping bigger players around him all the time. Size was never it turns out to be a, a problem with him. Um, so, yeah, and and now Saliba, a late entrant. He he is absolutely fantastic. I yeah. mean, obviously, we've known what he was doing in France, but you want to see it translate. Uh, I emotionally didn't invest too much in Saliba because I felt there was something wonky there in terms of the relationship with the club, but it turns yeah. out that might all have been pretty good, at least over the last 12 months, and now that he's here... Like, there's four or five players I'd be heavily invested. I love Zinchenko. Holy crap, oh, yeah, he's yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. A footballer and a guy. Yeah. Um, there he was running on the pitch, and the stewards, Arsenal stewards, are dragging him off because he looks so ordinary. Like, mm -hmm. the most most wonderful thing about Zinch Zinchenko is that he's all that and the most ordinary-looking, non-athletic guy in the ground such that the stewards, even though he's wearing Arsenal training-ish kit, can't recognize their own players. It's, it's, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about that later, obviously. But that's when I saw that, I was like, who the fuck was that? Was that Shinchenko running on the pitch? What? <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne? What's yeah. he doing in there? In the Arsenal gear. Have we signed Kevin De Bruyne? No. Is that a 12-year-old <laughs> dude? No. Not... It had to be since I was mind fuck basically because I couldn't realize that it was him. But when I use when I sort of replay and everything, it just my love grows for him every every day basically. Um, I said it on the late on our latest part, but in Swedish, um, I think it's basically my favorite player now. And it's just played. Mm. He played. He has played three games and one on the on the on the what do you say? Not on the bench, but. Uh, out injured basically. So, but even then, I, yeah. he's. I love him. I love. I love him. Um, yeah. But enough about yeah. me, uh, Oscar. Next question. Yes, I thought we might go with something more different. So, um, everyone knows you do the Arsenal Vision podcast, but uh, what got you into the podcast world, and when did you start with podcasts? Um, probably like five years ago, we started the podcast. Um, how did we get on it? We were on Twitter. Me and Elliot were always arguing on Twitter. <laughs> A lot. We did not see anything the same way. Wow, um, I'm shocked. Yeah, well, we get on much better these days than we did uh, when, we were, when we were not on the podcast. Or even the early days of the podcast were very just disagreeing a yeah. lot, which certain people liked, but... It's a bit, uh, it's a bit stressful after a while. We found ways to appreciate each other's opinions and respect each other, or at least do a good impersonation of it. No, yeah. we, 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 we have learned that there are times when we are right and wrong, and the other person is right or wrong, and that most times it's a bit of both. Um, so we were both bloggers early on, 
uh, though I never really... <laughs> Elliot claims he was a blogger. I never saw him really blog anything, but he says he is. Um, and I was a blogger, and we were just like... We had quite a few followers, and people would interact with us. So uh, my blog was... Originally, uh, he blogs when he wants to, because uh, there was the whole Van Persie scores when he wants to. Mm. And then I switched to posing in my pants after... Uh, Mikel Arteta scored oh, a goal for us against Manchester City 1-0, a screamer from outside the box and all the Man City fans had been celebrating with the Poznan celebration, ah. it might have been 2013 or something like that, they were doing that stupid Poznan thing, yeah. which was rather annoying And uh, it was in 2012 because I remember, because uh, I was at okay. that game in the oh, very good, good. Well, I'll stay quiet then, except you don't know the next piece, because nope. you couldn't and so I tweeted something about, oh yeah, well now I've got a, I'm celebrating, I've got a Poznan in my pants after we scored the goal, you see. Yeah. So that's uh, that's when I changed my name and changed the name of the blog. And in around that time, 2013, I predicted that Mikel Arteta would be the future manager of Arsenal. Really? After, yeah, Arsene wow. Wenger. I have a whole blog on it. I'm, uh. <laughs> I'm famous for a number of things. This is one of them, my predictions. I also predicted way before anybody else did that uh odegaard would be our next captain mm. and everybody said you're full of shit it's going to be this guy that guy or the other guy in fact they weren't even sure they wanted this was last summer they were mo most people were still scratching their head was that a good use of money and this kind of thing and that kind of thing and i'm like uh, it wasn't even a he'd be a good captain it was i it, my tweet was something to the effect of uh, Martin Odegaard will be the next captain of Arsenal without a shadow of mm. doubt in my mind. And there he is. Um, so I got a few good ones, right? Um, but Mikel Arteta will be our next manager after Arsene Wenger. Now, obviously, I missed slightly because we, oh. we bottled it and didn't actually take him. We took Unai, but we should have. And he was the next in. Still pretty good, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed, I have to say. Good one, yeah. good one. Um, myself. Yeah, <laughs> and you should. And for be. my next trick, <laughs> yeah. uh, I have another one coming. But anyway, oh right. yeah, I did. I predicted that. Who did I predict? Arden Odegaard will be our future Arsenal manager. Which, as soon as you say it, you say, "Well, yeah, he will." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he's quite young, though. Uh, Twenty-three, twenty-four. So it's gonna take like ten, fifteen yep. years. But years, I calculated. Yep. But a long but bet be. is still a bet. If you know what I mean. Yep. 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 He will be. Um, all right. Last question, and I'm gonna use this question as a segue to the um, chat we're gonna have about Arsenal Fulham. Uh, so, Paul, you live in Chicago, as you mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. We had this thing on this podcast a couple of episodes now, where we talk about different way to experience a game. Uh, for example, you can experience a game. Um, for me, this weekend, for example. Uh, I was at at the Hawk and Hellstrom concert when the game was on, so I had to like shut it all my phone down and everything down. Uh, went to the concert, went to sleep, and then the day after, I, w I saw the um, rewatch, so to speak, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Did you, did you know the results? No, I didn't. I didn't, and that's the thing. Good man. Uh, that's the first thing in first time in my life that I, you know. Um, didn't know the result. Otherwise, you get what do you say? Um, sometimes you stumble upon it, either yeah. that way or either this way. But it's nerve-wracking when you know that the result is there, yeah. but you're not looking. It's worse than watching it live, I think, because you know you could do something about it to put yourself out of your misery. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're gonna go on to this, but you know, after Mitrovic's goal, I was like, fuck it. I'm just gonna Google the results. Uh, and there you go. But uh, you coward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but I stay calm. I stay calm. I am uh, like, no, no, no. I'm gonna run this. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> see this one out. If you know what I mean. I'm gonna focus. the full emotional spectrum. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but but anyways. Um. And we talked about uh, a couple of pods ago. Maybe it was last pod. Oscar, when you watched the game without uh, sound, because you were was at a party, but you still wanted to watch the game, so you watched the game without sound and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so I'm going to use this question as a segue, uh, like I said. Um, how do you experience a game, Paul? Because you live in Chicago, do you need to go up like fuck early in the morning? Or uh, how do you usually experience a game? Uh, it's usually not too bad. Sometimes it's a six thirty start, six thirty a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's nine or eleven thirty. Um, I like the hour before the game. Uh, Arsenal have, on the dot com have started doing. Uh, they've got Adrian Clark there before mm-hmm. the game. He's he's normally pretty good to get some good insights as to uh, Arsenal and the opposition. So I like to listen to him. Um, I kind of stay off Twitter because it's just fucking nuts. Uh, quite stressful. I don't follow social media. Bef- I'll look up the team lineup. and I, At the moment, it's fine because everything's great. So there's still people getting overly anxious and nervous beforehand on Twitter and getting a bit negative about this selection or that selection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not big on social media before a game or during a game uh it's just it it tends to color how you're viewing a thing or you get all caught up in wanting to defend a player you think is doing okay Mm. and i just prefer i just want me and the match i just want to take it in yeah um and if we're going through a bad run i often won't listen to the commentary because it's (laughs) it just reinforces kind of the anxiety and the nerves when things are going well like and especially with the way the emirates is now and the away support yeah it's just rocking so i've got the headphones on i got it cranked up loud i want to soak up as much of the crowd atmosphere as possible and uh you know i'll have i'll have a bit of data to one side maybe if mm-hmm. if i'm feeling a bit an- analytical watching on who scored dot com kind of the how many shots, what the possession looks like, because you don't always... It, it can be good to get a few keys as to what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. It's not always obvious who's dominating possession. It should be, but it isn't live. But it gives you an idea of wh- passing combinations, uh, what what setup they're... Re- you know, you don't have... That zoomed-in look on the pitch doesn't always give you a feel for formation, and I know... One shouldn't get caught up in formations, but it's nice to know what the initial starting points are. Yeah. They, you know, was Fulham playing a four-three-three, a four-two-three-one? Uh, you know, what were they doing to, and and varying from there. So a little bit of that, but mostly, I I'm not a big one for two things multitasking at the same time. I just want to get absorbed in the game, forget about everything and everybody, and just soak it up for the next basically two hours. And that's basically how I do it because I, if you go online on Twitter or something after the game, you can see how people tweet like for every single thing that happens through a game. 
And I was like, do you even experience the game now when you tweet about yeah. every th- every little thing happening all all the time? Um, yeah. I, I don't get it. it it's, it's almost like, like you use the game for content at that point for ex- your exactly. activities and exactly. And the whole mm. the game is the whole enchilada. I just wanna I wanna get lost in the game. Speaking of enchilada, I ate one before coming on this pod. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Um, Smell your breath from here. That's why I thought of yep, it. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm proud of it. <laughs> what you gonna do? <laughs> um, all right, all right. Uh, I think enough about that. And moving on to the actual game. Arsenal 2, Fulham 1. Uh, and since, Paul, you have the um, got the homework, so to speak, to pick out your free uh, best Arsenal player from the game later on, you also have the privilege to uh, say what you think about the starting lineup, what you thought back then when you first saw, saw it. And a couple of thoughts in uh, afterwards, if you know what I mean. So, um, lineup, Paul. What do you think or thoughts? Um, obviously, the big deal was that party wasn't selected, and El Neni was. But mm. I'm like, oh, it'll be okay because we have Zinchenko beside him, and I really, I'd actually like to see how that will work. Uh, and it turned out Zinchenko wasn't available either. So that was that was the bit of a concern. But I didn't have a lot of a concern. I still think the way we play is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, players around that. Uh, as it turned out in the game, it involved Odegaard doing something he hadn't... Re- that people say they don't want him doing, but he was dropping a little deeper to pick up the ball. Mm. Um, for me, it's very kind of Bernardo Silva. And a lot of people are like, oh, he sh-, you know, it's bad when he drops deep. He shouldn't drop deep. And I'm like, he should. He should when it's needed. Um, and it's absolutely fine because when you drop from upfield to downfield you're the free man mm. you're what El is looking for um so uh, we also had Tierney obviously doing an impersonation of the Zinchenko left back role so that was uh, I wouldn't say I was concerned I would have preferred to see Party and Zinchenko I'm a big Tierney fan but there's no getting away from Zinchenko absolutely fitting the style of play we're moving to the positional play the freedom he takes the intelligence he uses to move around the different positions he takes up full back left uh, central midfield moving forward into the left eight sometimes moving to the right of party because that's where the space is yeah. and it's just it's a thing of beauty watching the in- not just that he does it, the intelligence of when he makes those choices. Uh, you just, he just knows it's, it's local intelligence. Arteta doesn't need to tell him to do that. No. He knows where to go. He knows where to be. He has the, he has the playbook. He has the roadmap. He has the plan. He, there's three, four players on the pitch who have the picture, the vision. And like, it's Odegaard, it's Saka, it's Zinchenko. Um, one or two other players who really have Jesus, the picture of maybe. how we play. We're yeah, just... I think probably probably Jesus. Yeah. Um, either that or he just, you know, he has a random position generator where he goes goes up, drops deep, he goes to the right, he goes to the left, and he basically basically keeps shuffling the de- deck. But maybe it's because he has the map. Maybe. And I don't assume that of many players. It's only a couple of players who really have the picture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, funny thing you mentioned Sinchenko and his role because uh, when I first saw the lineup, uh, obviously I saw Kieran Tierney and my first thought was, and I know that you talked about this in Arsenal Vision earlier today, but 
I have to say, I thought it as well. So great minds think alike, uh, maybe. Uh, my first thought was, mm, is he going to handle the Sinchenko role? Or he's going to just play Kieran Tierney role, you know, go up and down yeah. his, his left flank. Uh, but I have to say, I was surprised that he... He kind of played a Sinchenko role, right? He was more central yeah. than he usually was, uh, or is. Um, and, and that surprised me, I have to say. What, what do you say? Yeah, no, I think he very much fitted into the tucking into midfield mm -hmm. thing. Uh, it, I mean, it would be a fairly significant departure to how he played in the first three games. Um, Kieran Tierney practices, trains like a madman. So I am absolutely sure he's determined to be able to play that role to the best of his ability and do his best to uh, match Zinchenko when he comes in in field. It'll never be his... You'll never be able to do it to the strength of Zinchenko. Zinchenko's right up there almost with Cancella in his ability to to kind of free ball the fullback into a, a roving midfielder. Um, like if... Tierney plays the Tierney game, then he's much more vertical. Yep. Um, and that impacts on where Martinelli plays, which impacts on where Chaka plays. Because if Martinelli moves into kind of that space that the middle eight takes, then Chaka has to drop deeper. So for Tierney to play, Tierney style changes at least three, four different relationships. Um, and the left-hand side had been our most productive and busiest side of the pitch as it hasn't been for certainly for all of last season mm -hmm. uh the poetry came from our right hand side the prose from from the left last season and this season it's been the other way around yeah all the poetry has been on the the left with Zinchenko, chaka martinelli and gabriel jesus has been spending most of his time visiting that side to connect um and this game it flipped like the brilliance came on the right hand side so there was already something of a change but we kept our structure and just like the brilliance the poetry came on the right hand side Odegaard and Saka uh, the ESP levels between those guys <laughs> was off the charts yeah. uh, they were both brilliant early on uh, Odegaard obviously elevated himself throughout the game and just there's not even a, a debate on who the player of the game was he, that's that performances the the top performance Odegaard's ever put out for us even ahead of the West Ham 3-3 game mm -hmm. it was just absolutely sublime everything he did was on another level twice the speed of anybody else his vision his you know and he he scored the breakthrough goal by just it was a classic let's grab the game by the scruff of the neck and M. Saka they went for it yeah. smack the ball you get your deflection no problems no issues yeah, and that's the thing about the goal. Let's fast forward to it, because earlier in the game, uh, I have written down in my notes, and I was kind of frustrating, like, he was always tried a difficult pass, if you know what I mean. And yeah. sometimes if you're like, well, sh shoot! What the fuck are you yeah. doing? You're open in goal. Shoot for once. Um, yeah. It was once or two or maybe three times in the first half, and then in the second after uh, Mitrovic scored, uh, it got in one of those good chances, and I was like screaming, well, shoot for fuck's sake, but in Swedish. Uh, and, then <laughs> <laughs> and then he shot, and it was kind of like a fuck-off goal. You know, he scored a couple of those in Arsenal earlier. Like, his first loan spell, it was, I think, against Olympiacos. 
uh, yeah. scored a fuck off goal. He was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to put it up in the top bin and you're not going to do anything about it. And he scored a fuck off goal against Brighton. I think it was last season. It was a 2-1 goal, but so it didn't really matter. But he has the, that in him. He can do a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant pass. Like that pass he made to Enketia, you know, the lob over the defense. Yeah. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus didn't get it. Enketia did, but... Uh, uh, he had that in his locker and this fuck-off goal. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna score now. You're not gonna stop me. You can't do anything about it because I'm Martin Odegaard and I'm the best player on the pitch, period. Yeah. Um, I think what was decisive yeah. in the deflection was the early decision, the quick decision to take the shot. It mm-hmm. wasn't like one of those where he weighed up the options. Uh, it was a fast counter. He kind of did that step-over yeah. dummy thing to get it onto his left foot. Uh, and he just leathers it for quickly first time, um, doesn't hang about, and so the defender doesn't have the chance to adjust positions, adjust his body position, um, and those are the deflections you get when you get in when you're decisive, get into good positions, and you get the shot off quickly before the the defense can adjust. So, yeah, uh, I think it was at that stage it was well merited. Like I looked at the XG, we were already. At the kind of levels we should have got a goal anyway so screw it we were we had that coming to us and we got it and we got it uh but before that even happened oscar i'm gonna let you in now uh and talk a little bit about mitrovic because i have two things i want to talk about mitrovic uh one the first thing uh do you think it was um uh ramsdale did you think he meant to kick uh, mitrovic in the head because i think i think he meant it oscar what do you think um Knowing Aaron Ramsdale the way we know Aaron Ramsdale, probably. I think so, yeah. He's full of banter, so wouldn't uh, surprise me the slightest. And just like Ramsdale wants to take every little advantage, advantage, please help me out here, advantage, advantage. thank you very much, uh, that he can. And if he sees Mitrovic one uh, meter away from him, he's like, hmm, can I hit his head from here? I'll give it a, I'll, I'll give it a try. And then he hits it, and maybe, you know... Um, it didn't prevent me to reach a score earlier on, but um, yeah, I think he meant it. Um, the second Mitrovic thing, Oscar, is uh, unfortunately the goal. Uh, well, it's it's more a Gabriel thing than a Mitrovic thing, I would say. Um, uh, what do you think? I think it's very sloppy mm-hmm. and very unnecessary uh, when he he gets himself under pressure he's not really under pressure he has the options to pass the ball and he gets himself into trouble and unfortunately we've seen that a few times and uh, although he's a really good player you see that from time to time that he sort of gets him in gets in these messy situations can't really pinpoint why he manages to do that maybe it's a lack of communication but uh, you imagine before the game if they was uh, talking about anything else than uh, drawing great pictures on the board <laughs> of passion and uh, energy and whatever or lighting light you, bulbs as well uh, or lighting light bulbs yeah. or whatever they were doing pre-game you could imagine they would have been speaking about um, the threat of Mitrovic so it's kind of annoying. It's even I think it's even more annoying when you know there's only really one player that is really yeah. dangerous in their team that you still uh, gift him that opportunity. 
And I also think it's very silly when he when Mitrovic uh, says after the game that Arsenal got two lucky goals. It's like, yeah. Did... And how about you, mate? <laughs> Did you say that? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was t- t- two lucky goals. Like oh. Arsenal didn't deserve to win. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, you because you very much did things that you deserved to win the game, and you created so many great chances yourself. So, uh, Jesus the, Christ! Oh, the irony! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my now, God! Now I do have a couple of thoughts on the uh, the Gabriel Mitrovic goal. Yeah, please go on. Um, Gabriel's first touch is poor and brings it back to Mitrovic a little bit. And at that stage, he should leather it up mm. the pitch. Yeah. <clears throat> Just clear it. Um, if his first touch is a little better and goes away to the left, taking him into a little bit of space, he's got the time for what he really had in mind. So, um, Saka floating. It was kind of a floaty cross out across the box, which kind of signaled to the opposition to, hey, there's time to close this guy down. So that was another little bit of a problem. I'm not sure... It was the perfect ball to play at that particular moment. Um, but it was a time when we were chasing the game. So you do some some different things, some crazy things just to get going fast and mm-hmm. you take some risks. So I'm kind of okay with the soccer ball given the circumstances. But it does put, in normal circumstances, that's unnecessary pressure to put on your center back. But had it played out, we wouldn't even discuss it. Um, I think the real issue for Gabriel, though, the the point at which he really makes a mistake is he's normally so big and physical that he can shield the ball. Mm. And that's what he assumes, even after the first touch, which is a little ropey. Like, he's always, you know, shrugging players off, shielding the ball. He thinks he can make the space. And this was an education for him. Mm. Uh, Every now and then you run into a unit like Mitrovic, and he's bigger than you. And you won't, your normal bagger tricks that you can use 99 times out of 100, you've got to recognize who the guy you're playing against. Um, he's a very young defender, Gabriel, yeah. still. We don't, you know, he hasn't played, there's not too many Mitrovic's out there, and he hasn't played against them. And he'll come away from this thinking, there are times you don't try and shield the ball in your box with, with a guy who's simply bigger than you. And there was a couple of times... Um, like I don't like using the term bullied uh, with our own players, but he got bullied for crosses in the box once or twice with Mitrovic. Yeah. And sometimes, occasionally, that's just going to happen. You're going to be overmanned, uh, outmanned and outgunned, and you need to play smart, not strong. But 99 times out of 100, he can overpower whoever he's marking. So this was this was new territory for him, and he got the call wrong. And stuff happens, but it was a redemption arc, and he got down the other end. Uh, he didn't just uh, fumble the ball into the goal. I mean, he's the guy who has to make the run from deep in the box, uh, come for the header, and he, he's the impact center back where Saliba's kind of waiting next to the keeper, ca- crowding the space, etc. So it, it was a move that was planned. It was a good. Martinelli cross, he'd struggled a little bit with his crosses in this game, right into the right zone. Um, Leno did his little bit, but uh, I'm delighted he didn't just manage to poke it in the net. It was a move they were working on, and uh, however you get in the net in the end is another matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, I want to go back to the Mitrovic goal because something I um, really, really thought about is, do you remember Saliba's own goal? Please say no, because we want to forget all about it because he's the greatest defender ever. Uh, I do remember. Oh, you do remember. <laughs> but I, I do assume that you do remember the audience uh, reacting to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And behind it, them, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Immediately. And exactly. And did you... Th Thing, th did you uh, like? Um, it was the same thing now with Gabriel. Like it wasn't out. Like, oh, I've been you. You fucking get out of my club. Maybe it was that online, or I, I, I'm sure it was because people online are crazy. But in the stadium, uh, I, like it's goosebumps whenever an Arsenal player make mistakes. It's like, no worries, mate. We're behind you. We believe in you. And it was the same thing now. And I think that's really, 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 really something to be. Uh, I don't know, proud of uh, as a club and as a supporter, I would say. Yeah. Look, the whole relationship with the supporters at the stadium is, it's a sea change. It's totally flipped. Um, and look, that is partly helped not just by better attitudes. It's by the fact that everybody knows this team had a goal in them mm. and another goal in them. Now, could we get the two goals we needed? I don't know, but like, it's not like a year or two or three years ago, like last year when we needed to come back or like we just couldn't build up the head of steam. Yeah, Whereas with yeah. this team, like we should have already had two goals at this point, it yep. felt. Um, you just have this sense, give us five minutes and we'll get that goal. And so like for all the goodwill and the good attitude, the other side of it is like we're a different team now. We've got the ability to turn it on go through the gears and get that goal. And, you know, that's that's a big piece of backing your players. They make a mistake. So what? Let's, you know, let, let's not stand around pointing fingers. Let's get that goal, get the next goal. And then how we're feeling at the end of that, we're going to feel pretty good, by the way. Um, our ability to, like, we had a discussion on the podcast at the start of the, this season. Mm. You know, are we concerned with Arsenal's inability to come back when we're down um, and like my feeling on that was two parts firstly part of the reason we struggled last year coming coming from behind is because it rarely happened that we were behind so often we got the first goal um, and then coming into this season you can just see our capability to produce opportunities and to score has gone up levels mm. so like the what do you need when you need to come back? The ability to score goals at will. Yeah. Um, it's never quite at will, but you look at Man City, you look at Liverpool, when they went down a goal, they could score goals at will. And we had to build slowly, manufacture a situation where we may get a goal. Now, this season, we can basically not quite score at will, but it kind of feels like that. Yeah. We didn't need one goal, we needed two. I thought we'd get them. I didn't know we'd get them, but I, like I was kind of calm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I thought those goals were coming. Yeah. Now they might not come, but I didn't think I was going to. Like I've seen thirty minutes last year where we were chasing a goal mm. uh, in the second half and not really produced very much. Yep. Not because it wasn't just like people think that's an attitude thing. I mean, there's a bit of attitude or mentality. But it's largely fed by your capability to put together the level of play that 
confounds and confuses your opponent to the point that opportunities are being created all the time. We created a fucking shitload of opportunities in the second half. They weren't all perfect. They weren't all great. They weren't all you can't miss from there. But it was constant. And when you have that, you're going to wear down the opponent. They're going to get tired. You'll get one good goal and, and one bungled into the back of the net goal. And who cares? It's, it's Fergie time. It's now Arteta time. Yeah, we can yeah, yeah. build pressure or 30 we played 90 minutes of like this was my favorite match of the season so far oh really it's like yeah yeah uh like there there were matches where we were uh more dominant mm -hmm. maybe the goals were better but this was 90 minutes of a, us just going going mm -hmm. manufacturing opportunities creating situations and then that second half the narrative of the second half was like you know that's movie script stuff um, everybody was involved, you know, from the bench, the subs, like if I could pay money to be in the dressing room at the end of one game this season, I, I don't know how the rest of the season will turn out, but that's a pretty good candidate. That would have been absolutely fucking rocking in the dressing room, how people would have felt at the end of that. Uh, I, and like, you watch it, watching it live and you're nervous and you're angsty and all that stuff. You watch it a second time where it's fucking bonkers in the second half. After we bring on Eddie, we go nuts. Uh, Eddie, Saka, Martinelli, uh, Gabriel Jesus, Odegaard, they're all over the place doing everything, swapping positions, filling in at left back, filling in at right back, weaving all over the place. Saka's the left eight one moment, the right eight, the right wing, the right fullback. It's absolutely fantastic. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And that's the thing, going back to something you said earlier. Um, I had a chat with uh, me and Oscar's friend, Eric, Eric Pedersen. I know you listen. Hello, Eric. And and we both both said that this that's the difference this season than a couple of seasons before. Like when you went 1-0 down, especially in the second half. Uh, and by the way, did you see that stat that uh, this was the first time yeah. since 2013, I think it was, that we... Um, uh, after went behind in the second half, we turned it around and won. Um, so nine. Well, so it's quite interesting. Yeah. It's this, but the stat is a little bit more specific. I, I don't think it's quite as astounding as it sounded. It's when the first goal is scored against us in the second half. Mm -hmm. Not when you know what I mean. It's not when we go down in the no, second no, no, half in the, or whatever. Oh, uh, fair point. Fair point. Goal, yep, yep. Yeah. So that narrows down the. But it's still astounding that it's not since 2013 that when. Yeah. The first goal is against us is scored in the second half that we've come back. Yeah, yeah. a great point. You're right, totally right. I got that wrong, but you're right. And uh, I forgot what my train of thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you didn't see this, basically, <laughs> since 2013. So when the yeah. opponent scored, it, it was like, yep, we're fucked. We're fucked, basically. Yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, now but this is, season... It is partly the ability to generate yeah. opportunities, right? It's not just oh, let's have a poor attitude. Like, we might have had a less than perfect attitude to it, but it's probably rooted in the fact that uh, we don't really believe we can create the chances because we kind of can't. No, no, yeah. but, but there's a difference this you know season I mean? because you have the, you have the um, quality on the pitch, you have yeah. the right attitude, uh, which Arteta goes on and goes on and goes on about, you have the audience behind you, and you have the, like you said, in the second half after Enkedia went on, it was yeah. mayhem, wasn't it? 
Yeah. It was like, we had, oh, the, attacking the front, was we left, have front, bench center, now, left, right? front. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Like, you bring on Eddie, uh, you bring him on instead of your, your left fullback, and, like, he was fantastic. He yeah. tore them a new one. Okay, had we not won, you would have said, oh, Eddie, you know, was let down by his finishing. But everything he did to stretch the move them around, like you mentioned the... A lifted ball by Odegaard over the mm, top yeah. to Eddie, Oof. but it's worth it's worth bringing it back a few seconds. Eddie's actually the left winger, and does that one of those runs? It's almost like a wide receiver in American football, mm. where they kind of do a pattern. They kind of go down the middle and then they suddenly break to the left. Well, he he runs across uh, their defensive line and then suddenly turns ninety degrees so that Odegaard knows sees the run coming, yeah. knows where he's going. It's a beautiful little run from Eddie, and they're all making those runs all the time. Um, yeah, it's kind of fantastic. Fantastic. Um, we we need to move on, but before we move on, Oscar, do you want to say something about Gabriel's 2-1 uh, goal? Paul said earlier it was like manuscript, and I couldn't agree more. Like it was, it was meant to be him, basically. Yeah, we've seen it before, and uh, funny thing, when one of my friends, uh, I try to uh, turn off messages while watching games, going back to that, and uh, so I saw a message from him, because I go in and out, and he uh, was writing to me, it's like, uh, the set piece taking of Martinelli is not good enough, uh, I was thinking, like, he's usually pretty good with set pieces, and I think... I might have seen it like 30 seconds before the goal. It's like pretty good. And all in all, I think it's uh, pretty good with uh, the set piece taking. Yeah. Uh, maybe not his best day at the office all in all uh, on Saturday, but still, I think he's good with his set piece delivery. Um, sticking with you, Oscar, do you think uh, Bernd Leno is a secret agent? Not sure. I think he had quite a decent game. He had some good saves, to be honest. But that, but that's the thing. He realized himself, like, oh, wait a minute. I'm too good now. I, ne I need to do something stupid. Because, uh, Paul, to be honest, I think he's uh, supposed to do better uh, with that corner. Yeah? Yeah. As uh, as James said on the Arscast, uh, once a gooner, always a gooner. He that's remembered true. at the last moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I kind of get why he came for it. Like, he does us a big favor. But, like, it's tough being a goalkeeper. Um, you, you don't exactly know where the ball's coming down. Sometimes you just go for it. I, like, I don't think... It, it ends up being a mistake and a very impactful mistake. But I don't think it's nuts what he did or anything. It just went horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, he should... He sh well, not for us it wasn't. Probably wrong yeah. for him, but uh, not for us. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, moving on. Um, we are in this in the part of the podcast or the segment in the podcast. I would say uh, uh, season, no player of the season. And Oscar, I would. Uh, do you mind uh, read the rules to uh, to Paul and how to do it? Because uh, now t Paul is the time when you mm. pick out your f uh, three best players from the game. Uh, Oscar, can you please enlighten us? Yeah, so basically it's the segment of the podcast where we, um, or the guest in this case, or sometimes one of the guys in the panels, 
uh, pick their three best players of the game, and the third best player gets one point, the second best player gets two points, and the best player gets three points. And uh, we also like to do it with a little bit of a motivation on why that's the order of uh, the players you choose. Sure. Start with um, one point, please. Okay, so the third best player. Yeah. Um... I'm gonna go with. Uh, ooh, I got four. I want to get into three spots. Mm, and that's the thing, um, right? With a. Uh, I'm gonna tell you who the yeah. four. I'm gonna tell you who the four players are: Saliba, Martinelli, who was bad at crosses, but actually <laughs> fantastic in the second half. Yeah. Um. Uh. Martinelli, Eddie, and Odegaard. So. All right. Uh, Not Ben White. Ode no. Uh, I think Saliba, like Ben White was great and all, uh, but Saliba was fantastic. I'm going to go with Saliba for third. Oh, for th one point, Saliba, yeah? Yep. Perfect. <clears throat> yep. And uh, why? He, his level of calm, pulling the strings, you know, there's there's an additional burden on the guys pulling the strings around El Nenny because El Nenny's basically tempo and continuity and mm -hmm. shoveled it out to people in better positions looking up the pitch to pick out the passes. And that's his game. And I'm fine with that for most games. A lot of people freak out that he's not doing the Thomas Party stuff. But if you're Saliba, you're fine with that. Just give me the simple ball predictably safely where I want it. And that's El Nenny play, keep, simplifies the game so that other people know there's a ball coming their way, and that's fine. I think Saliba's carries, his passing, his rhythm. Gabriel's a very good passer, but yeah. he, did, but he, not as smooth. He, the pace on it isn't always just right. Saliba will make um, a line for himself uh, up the pitch by stepping to one side. Can't really be pressured by opponents. He just handles his whole area. He has the uh, VVD thing. Yeah. The imperious aura around him at the age of 21 and he pulls strings from the back and he did it in this game. He just gives you a whole area of calm of the pitch. Yeah. One side of the pitch, under control, calm. Not just he does a good job, but he brings a presence with it and he did in this game. His passing is really good yeah. and I think helped uh, basically our whole distribution game. I thought he was... Once again, he was immense, so I'd give him the one-pointer. Great. Can I just fill in on the point with uh, El Nene, Gabriel and uh, Saliba? Yeah. Uh, isn't it the thing now when uh, El Nene is playing, like, he doesn't need to do the Thomas Party role or thing because we have... He just needs to play safe and, you know, don't do anything stupid because we have, like you said, Saliba, Gabriel or even Ben White who can do the the things on the ball. Uh, do you know yeah. what I mean? I do. Well, the, how many teams can actually play with one guy in midfield? Very, very few. Liverpool can do it. Yeah, with Fabinho, yeah. City can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and like, those guys aren't always tearing up trees, right? Fabinho is not doing line-breaking passes all game long. Um, he's basically uh, keeping allowing the other players to get up the pitch and kind of being a, a, def a defensive cover and he's got legs and like El Nenny's more a tempo rhythm guy which is 
absolutely totally fine unless you can do a part like there's a spectrum of players and unless you're at the party end of the spectrum you shouldn't try and do party no, no. you're going to you won't be able to do the flare stuff and you'll get yourself in stuff in trouble with the basics mm. and like if you're going to do that role without party there and you're not 90 percent of who party is if you're 50 percent of what he can do kind of on the ball attacking wise don't do it at all yeah don't bother you know, wait don't for bother. the moments yeah. it's there that's what Saliba's there for that's what white's there you know that's what zinchenko should be there for mm -hmm. and you're good and like rhythm tempo continuity when arteta played that position uh he didn't play it with lots of flair all the time i mean he had flair or he could do things on the ball but loads of people said oh all arteta does is side to side <laughs> passing and like yes that's the point yes. that's the role yes yes part party's the outlier yep like he's he's defensive cover he's beaten men line breaking like he's kind of a unicorn that we use because we have him he's not really the model for that position like not you don't really want a guy who's that aggressive as a dm like that's not something you go and profile and find he just happens to be able to do it yeah. and we let him do it but it's probably not what that position demands you want that's a stability position for the most part yeah yeah Tempo, i think i think continuity. you're spot on yeah yeah yeah. i think you're spot on uh yeah. Well said, well said. Uh, two points. Arsenal, uh, second best player against uh, Fulham. Was it Bernd Leno? Uh, oh, I mean, um, no. <laughs> I'm going to go with Eddie because he was so yep. decisive. Um, it won't do much for your rankings because I don't think he's going to be getting those points regularly and uh, he won't be a starter so often. And But uh, I can't get away from the fact that he was a game changer off the bench. Yep. And... You know, on a one-off basis, he was huge. My, I mean, I would go with Martinelli. Um, like, off the rewatch, once I accepted that his crossing was, like, crap <laughs> for most of the game, he was absolutely... Like, he was right up there, uh, but we're kind of used to it. He was fantastic, especially in the second half, all over the place, doing stuff, dribbling, create, like, just so good on the ball. And... Uh, Maybe a little quieter in the first half than we expected. But yeah, uh, Eddie was superb and just came on with the eye of the tiger. Yeah, yeah. And I said this, the last point uh, pod we, we had, but I'm really, really looking forward to Europa League because then we get to see, you know, our yeah. Eddies, our Smith Rose, our Lacongas. You know, I love all our players and I want them all to play and I, I'm really looking forward to see them uh, play as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So. Three points. Arsenal best player. Um, Arne cannot... Odegaard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By a mile. Sublime. Absolutely transcendent. All over the place. Dropping in. His, like, I'm going to talk about his work off the ball. There's a, he covers a counterattack. Yes, yes. You don't think he has that kind of speed. Maybe, maybe their winger wasn't the fastest winger in the world, but Odegaard sticks with him. Gets close enough when the guy kind of slows down slightly to start thinking about his cross. Puts his hand on his shoulder uh, enough to slow the guy down, but not give a not worth a yellow or or even a free kick. Of that this is the one where the guy airballs it when he tries to cross it. Exactly. Tierney actually does great on this. Uh, we saw um, DVD the other day uh, getting caught out covering a guy mm. guy on the counter and not closing him down, and the guy scored. It was Zaha, I guess. 
Um, and Tierney does really good to cover cross while cutting out the guy's option of a pass across the box. But this was about Odegaard and his work off the ball, his pressing, his tackles, his recoveries. There's there's uh, stats out there for his performance in this game. Like we all saw what he did on the ball. Mm -hmm. um, this was sublime at kind of top Ozil levels, but with the work rate off the ball that only a Martin Odegaard playing number 10 can give you. He was like his pressing energy, mm. his leadership on the press, the physicality, urging on players, uh, the soft factors stuff. He's not the shouty captain that, that Chaka can give us and that we need, but he's the captain that goes up to uh, Gabriel after, we, after he scores his first goal goes to the guy and says uh, that one was for you, that one was for you right get your head out of your ass let's go let's get this second goal and uh, you know he's a young guy growing into that role he's going to become much more presidential much more captain like in the next you know making him captain probably came a year or two earlier than really suits him yeah um but he's he so much looks the part mm. So much stands the part when interviewed, when presenting himself and the club, and he's going to grow into that role on the pitch. And performances like that establish you. Uh, he made us tick, and he was the smartest guy in the room. And his connection with Saka was absolutely ESP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two comments on that. F first comment uh, about his uh, track back. You know, where the guy yeah. kicks a hole in the air. And you can laugh about that. Ha ha ha, he's shit, he kicks in the air. Ha ha ha, he misses the ball. But the thing is, that's really, 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 really good defending. Odegaard is just following, stands, stands, and wait him out. Do you know what I mean? So it, it yep. feels like the Fulham play is just panicking. It's like, I can't do anything. Why just panics and kicks in a, a hole in the air. And you can laugh about that, like I said, but it's really, really good defending. Yeah, yeah, and I sure <laughs> did as well, mate. <laughs> Uh, and the second thing is, um, I think this game was, um, what do you say, um, leadership by performance, do you know what I mean when I say that? Yeah, yeah. by example, yeah. Yeah, exactly, by example, thank you. And uh, and then performance by a leadership, if you know what I mean. I try to, you know, make yeah. two points in one. Sure, I'm with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. great. Um, a really, really good performance by our captain, and that's that's what you yeah. want to see. You don't want to see a captain, you know, hanging with your head. And uh, it was a great performance yeah. and a bit of genius and brilliance in there, mm -hmm. which is not, you know, the, there's a, that extra few percent. There's the transcendent thing where it wasn't just about him and his game. It was he had the picture, he had the map. Uh, he was just, he was just. It was a flow state. He went into. He entered flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was amazing. He was amazing. Uh, before moving on, Oscar, do you have any comments on Paul's points? Well, it doesn't really matter because Paul's points uh, are the true ones, but do you have any comments? <laughs> uh, well, I had, um, personally, I had uh, Martinelli on one point, mm. but I'm uh, very much Good down man. for him, and I and I'm glad uh, that Eddie Nketiah got some points because I really thought he was influential in uh, changing the game when he came on. And it was uh, nice to see that uh, that type of substitution substitutes from uh, from Arteta uh, taking. Uh, it's interesting because it we only really. He only really made one sub when you think about it. When we're chasing those two, we brought on some guys in ninety minutes, but like we made one sub 
on 61 minutes. Can I pause you, you there, Paul? Subs. Can I pause yeah. you? Did you just reduce Rob Holding to some guy? <laughs> <laughs> I just kidding. Yeah, with it. yeah move. go on. He's a guy who had three fingers. That's all I know about the guy who came on the end. That's he might true. have had more fingers, but I only saw three. <laughs> all right, moving on. Yeah, go on. Yeah, well, that, that was kind of, I didn't really mean to step on Oscar there, but it's an interesting point that, you know, leaning into Eddie came on and had that impact. We brought it, we played with one sub, we used one sub. Everything we produced was based on the energy of Eddie and the other guys. They all just went bonkers together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also think you uh, saw the flexibility that everyone has been talking about all summer within the team, what Arteta wants. He wants a player that's uh, flexible to change uh, positions during a game. And I think you really saw this in this uh, game, uh, how much stronger we look when we have uh, Gabriel, Saliba and White on the pitch mm. and how much you can change around with those guys on the pitch. And uh, I actually lost track of, uh, as you were saying earlier, on how many times uh, Martinelli and Saka uh, switched uh, sides. Yep. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, all right. Um, that about that, Arsenal 2, Fulham 1. Moving on. Uh, this is Monday. We record this. Uh, in two days' time, Wednesday, we play Aston Villa at home. And apparently, they have an old Arsenal keeper as well. Uh, I try to read out his name now. It's Ka Martin. Martin. Mart I never heard of him. Martin. No, but seriously, um, Oscar, sticking with you, any quick thoughts about the Aston Villa game? Um, that we should win. Yep. Because they're a pretty terrible team, to be honest. I saw some and... stats. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. I saw some stats that Gerard just have won his three of his 15 last uh, games with Aston Villa. Seems about right. Yeah. Um, now I think we should win this. Uh, this wasn't the game that I was really worried about. Uh, famous last words. No, I'm not too worried. No, I'm not too worried about this game. To be honest, it's just going to be interesting to see if anyone comes back and uh, if we change anything around. Because this is the first time uh, this season that we have uh, two games within the week. So it's going to be interesting to see if we do. If someone comes out and someone. Uh, gets a start for the first time this season. Any specific and... player you're thinking of? Tomiyasu, maybe? Yeah, I think uh, I would like to see him start. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe, because uh, I don't see any rush in, like, uh, you don't have to start uh, Martinelli or Saka every game. Mm -hmm. It's what? good what? to, like, Wait, what? <laughs> love them a bit uh, but I think maybe we've learned from our past mistakes and uh, I think this is a game where we should take the advantage of uh, using um, the possibility of rotation yeah. because if there's one game in the near future that we really have the opportunity to rotate before the Europa League of course uh, I think this is a good game to maybe change one or two players give them a start uh, see what they got and uh, I don't see it uh, going. I don't see it affecting us too much if we, let's say, uh, although I love Martinelli, if we put him on the bench for mm. this one game, yeah. I think it will be good in the long run. Uh, yeah. Uh, Paul, any quick thoughts about the Aston Villa game? 
Yeah, so I'm a bit of a contrarian on this particular topic of rotation. Mm -hmm. I'm strongly against it. Mm -hmm. um, I would roll the dice with this team for as long as possible until my medical sports science guy is saying some guy's hitting the red zone. Um, I'd, or until other teams figure us out. Mm. Like, I do think you need to get other players into the lineup and into the rotation, but starting from the bench, like, I wouldn't bring in Smith Rowe for this game he, um, as an example. He's not played in, he's just about fit. He played for the under-21s, whatever, a week, week and a half ago. I would bring him on for 20 minutes, assuming things are going well. Um, there's always the random event generator in football. So uh, we should beat Aston Villa, but then we should have beat, beaten Fulham fairly smoothly till that strange thing happened yeah, where one yeah. of our centre-backs got mugged in the box. So you never know. To take Aston Villa for granted, you take him for granted when you're 2-3 nil up, it's 70 minutes to go. Up till that, just assume... Uh, if the opposition isn't good enough, life will throw you a curveball and there'll be some jammy goal you end up conceding and you still need to score two or three goals. So I'd go strong. I'd keep going strong until something tells me otherwise. Mm -hmm. You know, fitness concerns, yeah. guy hitting the red zone. Um, like, players get stronger the more they play. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a bit influenced by the fact that I, I've done a bit of running in my life. And the more you run, the stronger you get, the fewer injuries you get if you do it right, if you manage it. And I think it's listening to the sports science guys, uh, even at Arsenal. I mean, they used to talk about or questions about Aubameyang at one stage and mm -hmm. playing him all the time. And the sports science guy, probably Gary O'Driscoll, uh, was talking about saying, "No, the you want to play every playing every few games." or every few days is fine as long as you're not in the red zone. In fact, you get stronger. You can, you can become a little vulnerable if uh, you're playing every second game or on and off or whatever and actually open up the opportunities for injuries. So um, I'm not saying it has to be one thing or the other, but if the players are, you know, we've got a vibe, we start fast, we have this understanding, we're setting a marker for what each game should look like. It's four in a row now. Yeah. We need, by my calculation, looking back over the last five, six seasons, you need 23 wins to be pretty damn sure you're getting top four. We've got four. If we can get five, roll on to uh, Old Trafford at the weekend and get a win or a draw there. I mean, that's an incredible start to the season. Yeah. And uh, then... Europa League. Then you start getting those other plays, players into the mix. But we got four games before Villa, and we got four games before United. I think it should be okay, unless there's something specific with any particular player. And like, who do you drop? Do you drop Ben White? No. Or Tommy Yasu? No. Uh, like, then you it's like White's then wondering where's his position. You know, mm -hmm. hang on, I gave up my centre back spot to do you a favour over here at fullback, and yeah. now I'm out of like. As soon as you start start thinking, who do you drop? You raise all sorts of questions. So I'd put those questions off till there's Europa League games. So at least, oh. whoa, <laughs> yeah, he strongly oh, disagreed that one. <laughs> Your dog, he strongly yeah. disagree with you now. <laughs> yeah, my dog Klaus isn't quite sure about that, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd str 
Klaus, you don't cut across me. You get time. You get time to make your own point. Yeah, tell him he's, he can be guest next time. Tell him he can yeah, be guest next time. I have to deal time. with this stuff all the time. It's very frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just, like, once you have Europa League, you have a bone to throw. Oh, nice one, yeah, yeah. mate. <laughs> yeah, a little dog analogy. You have a yeah. bone to throw to whoever's getting left out, and at the moment, you kind of don't. So yeah. I don't know who you drop. It'd be a little harsh on anybody right now. That's true. Now, it's not really dropping. You're rotating. I get all that. Mm -hmm. But, like, I just say roll with it. But that's one thing about rotation this season when you have five subs. Like you said, you can rotate more from the bench. Yeah. You know what I mean? Use your yeah. five subs more or, quote-unquote, better. Um, yeah. Sure. My thoughts about Villa game. I just speaking about this goalkeeper Martin Martins Martins. I just saw a meme today, uh, you know, with death, uh, with the Arsenal uh, uh, logo on it. Go door to door. First he knocks on Leno, slaughter him, and now he knocks on Martinez' door. Uh, so I was about to say I hope we slaughter Martinez as well, but mm, I'm not sure that I'm gonna say that. So um, well, and now I said it, so I just well. <laughs> Help me out here, Paul. You always say crazy stuff and come back from it. How do I do? <laughs> I don't know. I think you're screwed here. I think Fuck. you're drowning. And I, I'm not throwing you a line. Jesus. I w went one hour and 20 minutes, and now I just fucked it up in the end. Uh, typical I don't me. want to be that guy who jumps in the water, swims out to you, and then you push me under the water. <laughs> I drown, and you, like, float back into the shore. I'm not... You're on your own, pal. Oh, all right, all right. So close. So close. Uh, well, I hope that we win, if I sum it up that way. Um... How how we win? I don't really care. Just that we win. Um, before we let you go, Paul, we'll talk to you uh, a long time now. But one last point uh, before I let you go. Uh, the transfer window is soon closing. Just real quick, do you think Arsenal is going to buy or sell anything? Well, we're definitely going to move people out. There's a couple still to go, obviously. Mm -hmm. Your Bellerins, your Ainsley... Maitland Niles is, um, so yeah, we'll sell or loan, um, but it could be goodbye for those guys, goodbye, or forever. Uh, in terms of incomings, I think we'll get one. I think we'll get it. Uh, we absolutely desperately need an attacker, mm -hmm. a winger, you uh, would say. Yeah. Yep. Cover for Saka slash Martinelli. Um. Like we don't really have any. I know we've got Vieira, but uh, it's clear this is kind of... Uh, certainly the first half of the season is just him adjusting to the league. He's tiny. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. He played for the under-21s, and he looked like an under-21 mm. in terms of his physique. So um, Not his facial that, hair, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe it was overcompensating there. So, like, you don't have to be a huge player. Like, how big is Bernardo Silver? Not very. Fair not point. Very, but, Fair point. But he's well bedded in. Yep. And Vieira isn't yet. So, you need one of the two. You need to have found your way around. So, yep. M. Smithrow, like, I uh, love Emil Smithrow. Absolutely have backed him from the moment I saw him playing Academy games. But... Uh, he has that issue with injuries. He's a different profile of player, and we're still working out, is he an inside eight, maybe, or is he a winger? So the options up front, we've got basically got Martinelli, Jesus, and Saka. 
that we know how that plays and works for us and we need something else. We went big on Rafinha. Mm. <coughs> uh, Pedro Neto would be wonderful and they want a lot more money. Maybe they're asking a lot more money because they know we're desperate and de desperately interested. So I would think a Pedro Neto or something like that will come in. Yeah. Uh, James from the Arscast today um, said he wasn't actually getting the vibes that we were on the case. Well, we're probably on plenty of cases, but we weren't super close at the moment. So All right. it'll be a kind of a deadline day fast deal for for somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oscar, quick thoughts. Do you have anything to add on that? I saw that we were linked with uh, Clive's favorite player today. The Ukrainian Zaka. guy. That... <laughs> <Okay>. Vieira. <laughs> Zaha. Zaha. Now the, uh, oh, Ukrainian... the Ukrainian guy, yeah. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name. The Ukrainian yeah. guy from Shakhtar Donetsk, I saw we were linked to him today. Yeah. If only we knew somebody who might know him. Hmm. Hmm. Who could that be? Uh, well, all right. Uh, I imagine we will get someone in and uh, offload a few people. Great. Uh, can, I make, can I um, yeah, make a quick commercial before we let you go, Paul? Sure. Yeah, if I'm not going to say anything about transfers this podcast, but if people want to hear talk me about transfers, they're going to um, listen to Arsenal Malmö's live pod this Thursday. And guess who's going to be guesting that one? Brendan, me. So I'm going to save all my transfer talk uh, into that podcast. So I'm going to zip it for now. Uh, so listen to Arsenal Malmö's tr uh, live podcast on Thursday and you will hear me talk all about it. And uh, by then you will know what have happened as well. <laughs> yes, true. Yes, 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 yes. And I can say this happened and that happened and I think this is good and this is not good. And I will have all rights. It's just stupid to say anything about transfer before you know it. That's my policy. Um, <laughs> Paul, thank you very much. We kept you way too long. Thank you. Thank you very much for uh, being guest in our podcast tonight. Absolute pleasure. I hope people enjoyed it. I my sure waffle, my chat. So. I sure they do. I sure they did. I sure they did. Uh, if you want to hear more uh, with Paul, just follow him on Twitter at Posnan in my pants or listen to Arsenal Vision podcast. Can I just say Arsenal Vision podcast before the full name is Arsenal Vision post-match podcast, but you do more stuff than just post-matched stuff. So Arsenal yeah. Vision podcast, if that's all right with you, if I don't offend you. No. Oh, yes. They're great. Perfect. Uh, oh, listen yes. to that one. It's way better than our pod, even though we try our best. Um, yeah, well, we're terrible at Swedish. <laughs> that's what's holding us back. Yeah. <laughs> and that's our strength. So if you want to listen to Swedish podcasts, that's uh, our podcast you should listen to. Well, once again, Paul, we're working on it, though. Yeah. We're working on a specialist podcast for Sweden in Swedish. We're coming for you. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Well, as long as you not can pronounce Kim Shellström the right way, so I'm not going to feel threatened. Kim Shellström. Yeah, that's Kim Kellström. You know him as Kim. Yeah, that's really good, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know him oh, as I know. Kim Kellström. But his last his quick question. Did you, did you see Freddy when he played in Chicago? I did not. Hmm. All right. That was a short time, though. But he yeah. played in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. No, I did not. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, Oscar, thank you very much to you as well. Thank you. And the biggest thank you to all guys uh, listen to this. Um, thank you very much and have a nice week and we hear each other next uh, Monday. 
Have a good week. Ooh, to be a gooner.